0: Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with disaster preparedness expert Jeffrey Weiss. With over two decades of experience in the disaster preparedness industry, he has worked with renowned organizations like FEMA, the Red Cross of America, and Community Emergency Response Team. His entrepreneurial spirit led him to establish and exit multiple businesses, currently managing two companies and a distribution partnership. He holds degrees in sustainability management from Pepperdine's Graziato School of business in mit he is a distinguished toastmaster and tedx speaker he is recognized for expertise in disaster preparedness active shooter scenarios and fostering volunteer cultures within businesses he's got a great story enjoy
1: i'm wonderful how are you i am doing spectacular my friend happy to be on your show
0: great to meet you you know i i keep thinking in the game of life if we were to have some like immaculate kickball game You would be the first one that would be picked. You got to have disaster preparedness. You're the guy. That's it, baby. (laughs) You got to be ready to roll. Where are you coming out of?
1: Uh, Burbank, California.
0: Okay, excellent. You know, I remember landing in Burbank. So I'm from Kansas City. And I heard all these stories about how pretty California people were. And I remember landing in Burbank. And it it was the first time that I ever walked out of a ladder coming out of a plane. And I felt like I was officially... And that was the best way to enter California.
1: Yeah. Well the, the the three things I know about Kansas City is you're not the same football team as the Trump as Trump thinks you are. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's right. I forgot about that.
1: <laughs> you uh you're the only you're the only known pathway to us.
0: Okay, right.
1: And uh you and you have beautiful
0: landscapes. It is it is beautiful, but I miss the contours that you get in in California and out west. Uh, you know, with all the ocean and everything like that. But yeah, we all we all have our charms.
1: We do, we do. Every every place has their charms.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, man, it's great to meet you. And I want to begin our conversation with what we've lived through for the last three and a half years. Absolutely. How did, you, how did you get through the pandemic, and how has it changed you?
1: One second, let me let me change my. Anyway. Yes, sir. So I get this. So I look at. I'm looking at you. So yeah, yeah. So yeah. So oh, sorry, what was? Oh, sorry. Let's. What your question?
0: Yeah. So I was going to say. You know, we've lived through this pandemic for the last three and a half years or so. How did you get through it? And how has it changed you now that we've kind of emerged out, so to speak?
1: Well, the pandemic was, you know, really, you know, odd for. I, I actually was protected, you know. Uh, you know, when everybody else was like, "Oh my God, where's my next paycheck gonna come? How am I gonna make my money? All this stuff." you know, I had planned all my life for, for, you know, for my future. You know, when I was 12 years old, my grandmother took me to Burger King and she said, Jeff, do you like Burger King? I said, yes, grandma, I like Burger King. And she said, Jeff, would you like to own your own Burger King? I said, absolutely, grandma. And then she slid me over a hundred shares of Bird King stock. And it got me so in- talking about investing that when the, that when this pandemic thing happened, I had three years of Liquid cash plus my plus other investments and everything like that, so I didn't have to worry about making money, and in turn I made money, and you know a lot of my businesses you know did did suffer a little bit. Uh, You know I work with the Red Cross a lot. I'm I'm a disaster manager with the Red Cross. That was the most challenging thing because the Red Cross. You know if we had big fires or things like that or tornadoes out in Kansas, you couldn't have a shelter with 100, 200, 500 people living in close quarters together because the the virus was raging and it would kill a lot of people. So we had to do, you know, we had to replan how the Red Cross actually does shelters because we still needed to provide support for people because there were still disasters happening. There were still people needed to get out of, their buildings were catching on fire and people needed to have a place to stay before they can get on their road back to recovery. So we had, you know, we would set up hotels and we would have everyone have their own room and meals were challenging. How do you deliver meals to people safely? You know, how do you deliver meals to safely to, to hundreds of hundreds of people every day? And we, the Red Cross delivers three meals a day, plus snacks, plus we have counselors, plus we have disaster mental health, plus we got to get you back into shape to get you back to your life so you can re- start to recover it so it was a really that was really the biggest challenge that the, that we had and as as a manager of the red cross and all this stuff we really that was that was one of the biggest challenges we had living my life in my you know in this and doing that i was able to definitely work around that and i developed ways of doing things and act you know amazon shipping was was a, a godsend you know uh but you know so it was all about you know being prepared and knowing how to how to plan your resources. You know, I have power generators. So if power goes out, I have I have power generators. I have solar in my house. You know, I I so I I have my life planned so that I can prepare for disasters. Because if you're not preparing for disasters, you're reacting to one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So let's get to the heart and soul as a disaster yeah. preparedness expert. I'm gonna put you in front of a bunch of third graders. One of the kids okay. career it's career day. One of the kids looks up and says, Hey, what do you do for a living? How do you answer them?
1: What I say I do for a living is I help businesses like what like what your daddy or mommy work at. I help them plan so that they can create so they can create uh, plans so that they can survive and thrive and be there for you because you are an important person. You are the most important person in your parents' life. And your parents need to be there to support you. And the businesses that they work at, where they make money to pay for your lunches and pay, pay for the car that drives you to school, those, those resources need to be protected. And we work with businesses to protect them so that they can protect you.
0: So when you were in the third grade, what was your dream? What did you want to be when you grew up?
1: When I was a third grade, I really wanted to be an actor. I wanted I wanted to be a I wanted to be Gene Kelly, Danny Kaye. I wanted to be those great people. I wanted to also uh, climb to the top of the mountains and uh, and 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 be an adventurer. I you know I, you know most people oh I want to be a fireman. I want to be a doctor. I want to be this. I wanted to climb the top of giant mountains and all this stuff. And you know, uh, I was also very you know, I was also a very aware child. I was very, I had uh, my my grandmother and a friend of mine named George Hagwood um, at a young age uh, got me really devoted into discovering how poetry, you know, can really awaken a, a great part of a person's
0: life. Absolutely. I agree. So how did this happen? Where were you born and raised? How did you get fascinated with preparing people to get through disasters? How did all this become who you are So I was
1: born in England. My mom was teaching primary school in in England, and she met a guy, and and, uh, out popped Jeffrey. And so I was born in England, Sussex, England. Uh, My mom quickly, uh, after we were born, uh, the man decided he didn't want to be a part of my life, so he said, I'm off to this. My mom said, mom stuck around for a little while, then we went to New York, and we lived in New York, uh For for a few years, uh at four, at about four years old, I met a really good friend named Christopher, and Christopher and I bonded as close friends. And we actually, my mom and I, we we actually were out with Christopher, and we came back to the loft we were living in, and it was empty, <laughs> and and we went in there, and all of a sudden someone, went, hey, Valerie, hey, Barbara, you want to go to a little concert in upstate New York? This was in, the, in 1969, so we went to a little concert in upstate New York called Woodstock. You may have heard about it. <laughs> yeah. And so we partied, uh, and I really loved Christopher. Um, At 10 years old, Christopher, his mother, and his father were tragically killed by a drunk driver. I was devastated. I loved him dearly. He was the brother I never had. I couldn't believe he was gone forever. I was even afraid to ride in cars. Uh, During my sorrow, my grandmother took me to, you know, I went to see my grandmother, and we did poetry and sculptures together. But what made the most impact on me was she took me to Washington DC and we saw all the national, all the monuments, but the trip to the national portrait gallery. And there was an exhibit honoring the Roosevelt's. And I stood before this giant statue of Eleanor Roosevelt and my grandmother whispered her words to me that was on her, on her bust. When you cease to make a contribution, you begin to die. When you cease to make a contribution, you begin to die. Those words echoed for me. And at that moment, I, I had a clarity and I made a promise to my dear friend Christopher and to myself that everything in my life would have some level of contribution. And that's what led me on the path the giving back and becoming a volunteer and whatever I can to give back and support those who, are, who I need to support, who need my support.
0: It is so interesting. You mentioned that exhibit. I have never heard anybody talk about that. I went to D.C. I took I was working at a computer lab in an inner city in KC, and I took a kid that got a grant from AT&T to go up there. And I went and saw that. And of all the things, I mean, I saw Iwo Jima. I saw all these things, but I remember that one. I remember Eleanor and I had no idea how deep she was and how she was a very deep woman. That whole like walkway up reading and seeing everything, I had no idea. You're the first person and this has been since the 90s that's ever brought that up that eloquently because that blew my mind like of all the things that I saw, I mean I ran my hand over the Vietnam wall I all this stuff, everything but that yeah. one right there really moved me you know so yeah, i get so it she was
1: she's was my favorite first lady you know as she yeah. really did it she really was a strong she was the first you know woman to support uh, uh, lesbians and gays she was the first uh uh worst lady to to support african-americans you know she flew with the Tus- tusky airmen yeah uh you know they they weren't in, they were not going to be in the war until eleanor flew in a plane with them and then next thing you know they were flying over germany you know supporting the bombers and you know Uh, So she she, and, you know, you know, you know, she 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 really supported everybody, diversity rights. I mean, somebody at that in in that time supporting lesbians and gays and black people was unheard of, you know, and this is a strong, powerful woman who who took the power of her husband's legacy and pushed it forward.
0: Yeah, for sure. So. Of all of the natural disasters that exist, what's one that fascinates your mind the most?
1: Well, the most common disaster is flooding, and I say it's the most common disaster because any other disaster, usually flooding follows. Yeah. When you have an earthquake, levees break, uh, pipes break, things uh, we have flooding. When you have fires, ground saturates and you have flooding. When you have flooding, flooding. When you have tornadoes, you have wa- you have mass of water, you have flooding. When you have hurricanes, you have things. When tornadoes come, they they, they cause flooding. So flooding, to me, is the most powerful. I mean, when you see the force of water, the power that water has, it's it's one of the only pieces of nature that we cannot control. You know, when fires come, we can dig trenches around fires, and we can, we can have a control, or we can control the spread of fires to an extent. You know, it, it, uh, we we have to work at it, but we knew that. Tornadoes just come through, boom, bang, bing. You know, you get a warning, you get out of its way, you're done. Earthquakes happen; it's a it, it's a it's a major disaster, but you know, it's something that that with the proper management, proper resource, and proper preparation, you can control. But when a wall of water is coming at you and f- pushing down the entire thing, there's nothing that stops that. Nothing that stops that except when it runs out of steam. You know that's basically it. You know, um, and and there are a lot of natural disasters, a lot of you know, and then you know, one of the things that we're big in right now is non-natural disasters. You know, active shooter instances. There have been over five hundred active shooter instances in this country. This year, you know, there have, there have, you know, (laughs) we just had a couple of years ago, this thing called an insurrection that we had. We had, we had thousands of thousands, you know, tens of thousands of people, for whatever reason they did, decided to, to circumvent our political process and, you know, and people died. You know, I'm not going to say who's right and who's wrong. This is not that platform. Right. But what I'm saying is, is that life life was lost. Our, our democracy was threatened. And that was the thing. So there's a lot of things. And, and active shooters. I mean, we do active shooter training for businesses. Businesses need to know how to protect themselves. And not only just how to protect themselves and their employees, but the customers. You know, we see that... You know, when actors shoot their hands, it's one of the biggest problems that people do is they throw up their hands and say, oh, I'll let the government and the media and everybody figure out what to do to repair this whole thing. And that could be the f- furthest thing from the, that you should do because the politicians do not have your best interest at heart. They have their donors best interest at heart, you know, uh, you know, and the media only cares about getting that story. They don't it care bleeds, about what it, effect it does to your business. Yeah. You know, and you know, when you happened, the police chief ran away and hid for two weeks. No one could talk to him for two and a half weeks. You know, then you know, the news media goes in and, and shows pictures of this bloody girl's shoe, you know, and gives her name. That's a horrible thing. You know, when the new, the, the, you know, people ask me what's the one thing you can do to prevent active shooter incidents from happening? When there is a report of an active shooter, and on the media, it has the pers- as the perpetrator's name and photograph. Call the media and tell them not to do that. Yeah. Because most of the time, but ninety plus percent of the time, that person is doing it because they have nothing in their life and they want their fifteen minutes of fame. They want their yep. Andy Warhol. Absolutely. And by giving by the news media giving them putting their paper their picture on the on the paper, yeah, th- they may spend the rest of their life in prison. But they got their 15 minutes. They got their name on every news media and they got their photo on it. And it was and it was there. I mean, when the guy who who attacked Nancy Pelosi's husband, they put a picture of him sitting on a beach smiling with a, a beautiful, nice picture of this guy. And they told about his biography. Yeah, well, it's bad. You know, where are they talking about the you know where are they talking? You're talking to the other people. that were you know the people. You know I'd rather them put a picture of this girl named uh, Johannes, who's down the street from me here, who volunteers with me at a Sikh temple, passing out meals. Put yeah. her picture on the on the yeah, news absolutely. media.
0: I agree. You know? I totally agree. Yeah. You know, I was a correspondent for a, a cable station called Current TV. Al Gore set it up after in the early two thousands, and yeah. they would pick correspondents that would just kind of go out, citizen journalists. And I went to Osawatomie, Kansas, during a flood, and I did do research on it, and I had no idea that water or floods are the most is they they cause the most damage of anything, and people I don't think realize that just water. Yeah it just it's the most destructive it's crazy man so i'm so it's glad crazy. You said that yeah you're just yeah. You're, you're you're full of wonderful anecdotes here you know i've always thought that when shootings happen don't cover it don't do it it creates copycats it's a dangerous business but Absolutely. Media, when it bleeds it leads man that's how they roll it's their i know it's a hard thing to,
1: it's a hard believe me it's i, I get it it's a hard thing cuz you're this news media your responsibility is to is to give the public the information that they That that's there. They they should know that something happened, but what you shouldn't do is put this guy's picture on on the news media. What does it what does it add to the story whether you put this guy's picture and put his name and put what you know and this that just say a perpetrator, a guy or a girl or whatever what whatever the whatever the put this person's, but don't give his name, don't give their don't give their picture, don't talk about them, just. What, you know if the if the if the government wants to investigate this that they can do that. But you know I and I understand it's a it's a it's a tough thing. Public needs to know. Public has a right to know these things. Yeah. But yeah. you gotta you gotta you gotta weigh it with the consequences of what happens. You, know, you have to be responsible journalists, not just reactionary journalists, not just trying to get that clickbait. You know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So Jeffrey, who's been a hero for you in your life?
1: Well, you know, Eleanor Roosevelt was one of my, my dearest heroes. Um, also, you know, I mean, uh, Mahatma Gandhi, uh, I, I, you know, uh, one of the reasons that I, that I volunteer a lot is, you know, I was, I was looking at him and, you know, and his quote, you know, when you, uh, the best way to find yourself is to lose yourself in service to others, really impacted my life. Uh, also poets, I, I get a lot from poets, you know, um, you know, E.B. White and and uh, Shakespeare and, you know, and, you know, all these different poets who really inspired me t- and, and got me awake. I came, you know, I, I had a very destructive childhood and uh, I was abused by my, by a girl who lived, a girl, a boy and a man who lived in my house. But what got me through all that pain of being of being abused was poetry, and awakening my self into that, and I learned to cry out my story because that was my glory, to self realization. And so, yeah. yeah, so you know, That's this beautiful. you know, and I studied all the things of so Socrates. Oh, what a great, what a what a great human being that was, you know. Just, oh yeah, his understanding of 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 human knowledge understanding of these you know and i i've been a, i've been a history buff all my life you know uh you know and so i i, 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 I like that you know
0: so if you can meet anybody alive on the planet right now who would it be who would you love to meet and talk to
1: well I, you know I, I i i'm good i was i'm kind of good friends with the His holiness the dalai lama and i've met him several times and i want to meet him again yeah. uh i want to really you know i'd like to just you know i i've met him a few times because we've done some work with him uh, his people, we live streamed him twice when he was out here in LA and we were supposed to go back and help him build a, a production studio for him. But the pandemic hit and we've been put off for a long time and we've worked with him. So I'd like to go back and do that. Uh, I think that you know, live, you know, I would, I, I would, you know, I would just say, I'd like to sit down with, you know, with people like Ron Howard, who, you know, has this magnificent past and Clint Eastwood, these people who have this magnificent past in our entertainment industry and you know, really have great stories to tell, and you know, I, I met Ron Howard's dad at a conference I uh, was doing, and we had a really good inter- in- talk and talked about his his sons and General Ben stories and all this, and you know, o- Opie stories, and it's just, and he was just a magnificent man. He really was a wonderful man, and. And I like Ron Howard. I really like him as a director and, a, and an actor and, you know, and stuff like that. And then Clint Eastwood is just also an awesome, awesome man who's just had so much in his life to grow from, you know. So there's a lot of people I'd like to meet, you know, yeah. And, yeah. and I like to understand how they do. But, yeah.
0: That's cool. So what is your daily motivation? What is the fuel in your tank that gets you up every every morning, that leads you through the day and makes you who you are?
1: I wake up every morning with, like, Eleanor's words in my mouth. You know, I, 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 how, you know what can I do to, to contribute to others? And I get up every morning and I have uh, – I, I, I put a, I put celery, spinach, ginger, garlic, uh, and, you know, some ice, some almond milk, and stuff like that in, into a, my, my Vitamix blender and have that drink. All, and I just get up and I do that. I go to the gym. And what motivates me in life and gets me going is – being out there and helping and knowing that what I'm doing helps people. Knowing that the the preparedness network that I started, this company I started, the preparedness network, is really doing good and really helping other people. That's what got me motivated with this, with the American cross. That's why I've been a big, big part of the big brother and big sisters, Jewish big brothers and big sisters for 30 years, mentoring six kids. That's why I've, I, I've, I've worked with the Habitat for Humanity. I've built almost a hundred houses with them. Uh, that's why I've been, you know, I, I work at a Sikh temple twice a week, you know, pass hand, handing out movies, handing out food at their pantry and making food for the people who, who, who are hungry And, you know, and so what inspires me every day is getting out there and making a contribution, making a difference, you know, and I was looking at the preparedness network when I started this and I says, you know, there's a lot of people talking about family disaster preparedness. How can families prepare for disasters? But there was really not a lot of people talking about how can businesses prepare for disasters? There was a company in Texas last year when the snowstorm was coming and they didn't have a communications plan. So the the cell phones went out. The cell phone towers went out. There's their landlines went out, and there was no way for parents to communicate with their kids at the school to find out if they were great. So parents got in their cars and drove to get their kids. Well, on the way, the parents froze to death on a bridge, and they were and four people died. If that company had prepared and created a communications plan, that they would be alive today. So that's my goal. My what inspires me to get out there and help businesses do that. And we have, you know, well, we have a lot of free stuff too. We have a free active shooter training program. We have a free, free leadership program. Because when you're a business, if you want to develop your business and grow your business and develop, develop disaster preparedness, response, you need leaders. Yeah. You need to duplicate yourself and create new leaders. And that's what we do. We're John Maxwell Certified Leadership Coaches. Yeah, you know, and so we're here to create an environment where businesses can succeed. And that's what I'm here to do.
0: So if you had a dream tonight and ran into the 20-year-old version of you, and you could give that version of you a piece of advice based on the wisdom you've gained up to this point, what advice would you dispense on your younger self?
1: I would say start really speaking much earlier. You know, I'm, I've grown to be a great speaker. I'm a TEDx speaker. I'm a just Toastmaster speaker. And I speak on stages all the time. I would say, get out there and start speaking much earlier than I did. And really get out there because I have a great messages and I have really powerful messages Yeah, and I have, and I can really help a lot of people. And that's my really goal is to do it out there. So that's what I would tell.
0: So of all the things that you've done and overcome and accomplished, what are you the proudest of?
1: You know, I would say, you know, there's so much I, I, I have, but, but the, the kids that I've mentored and the big the Jewish big brothers and big sisters of Los Angeles, the, the 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 power and the commitment and the dedication it takes to be a big brother, not even once, but six, six times. to me, seeing these these kids who have been part of my life and I've helped grow into into young men and to successful people, that has been one of the most successful and most proudest things of my life. You know, but it's just everything. I mean, you know, I was working in a shelter a couple of months ago. And this woman came in, and it's like, and she was, you know, she 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 she, she was she, she had high blood pressure, and I'm an EMT with the Red Cross, and being able to de- help see those signs, and be able to help her, and and uh, I mean, every day when I work with the, when you work as a volunteer, every day that you that you help somebody is just a phenomenal part of your uh, uh, of what you do, and it's an awakening thing that's awakens such a power and a beauty in yourself, yeah, and that's you know, so I do that, and it's like. I wake up every, I mean, a couple weeks ago, I saved three, I saved three lives. I stopped for a car accident. I I resuscitated three people back when they had a car accident. Wow. I mean, one of them ended up dying eventually, but when they were in the car accident, I, I got there. I stopped my car. I got out. I did triage on them. I, I resuscitated all three of them, got them back to breathing until the right. fire department came and took over. So, And I've been given the life-saving award from the Red Cross a few times. So it's it's just getting out there and being cognizant of your surroundings yeah. and just understanding that we are all here to support each other. And we're not here whatever 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 some guy here says to do and is harmful this and harmful that and fear people, you know. Don't be fearful of people. That's Hatred is not our problem in the world. Our problem is people are telling people to fear. Hitler didn't yep. say hate the Jews. Yep. Hitler said fear, fear the Jews. Yeah. Donald Trump didn't say hate, hate the migrants. He said fear the migrants. They're rapists and murderers. So yeah. stop the fear, not the hate, because yeah. hate is a symptom of fear.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So everyone out there has a perception of you. Family, friends, clients, colleagues, but you're the one that's running the show. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are?
1: I think I, I I think I'm a pretty nice dude, you know, I think that i I, I really, you know I, I I you know a lot of people retrospect on themselves and and, and hide who you know, hide who they are. I wear my I wear my life on my sleeve. You know, I am an open book. I don't hide myself when I do wrong, I say, look, I'm wrong. when I but and but I you know, and i I, I really think that i'm a I'm a decent human being. Am I the, am I the best human being that's ever been on this planet? No, no, I, I, I have flaws. I'm a human and I have flaws and I have flawed and I have made mistakes. And, you know, but, you know, we don't, we, our mistakes are our, our biggest successes. My mistakes, my, my biggest mistakes have grown to my biggest successes. You know, when we fall, we got to fall up.
0: Yeah. I love it. So if anyone wants to learn more about you, hire you, anything about your world, where can they go?
1: So we have a preparedness TV, preparedness tv.info is our website, preparedness tv.info. And they can email me Jeff at preparedness tv.info. So my email is Jeff at preparedness tv.info. And then my phone number is 818-624-4242. So you can call 818-624-4242, my website, preparedness We are on the social medias. We're on the LinkedIn, the Twitter the I have a full social media team that that puts up things all the time. We have a great YouTube channel, a really good YouTube channel, Preparedness Network. On you just go to YouTube and Preparedness Network, you'll see us there. Just get the logo right there, and you'll see that the gum on right there. And yeah, so that's how you can get a hold of us. My phone number, 818-624-4242, you know, or email me, jeff at preparednesstv.info.
0: Jeff, the man, the myth, the legend. Thank you for opening up the Immaculate Book, giving us your story. I love your energy. I love what you're doing, man. Thank you so much for your time. Please do. And
1: please, everyone, comment, subscribe to this channel. Subscribe to this channel, comment on this channel, and like this video. Most importantly, like this video.
0: All right. (laughs) Yes, sir. Jeffrey, thank you, man. Take care